All right, so we uh, are in a new series, as Elijah told us, called Twisted. Twisted, so something has been twisted, something is wrapped up, something has been contorted, I think is the right word, a contortionist, right? Yeah, something has been twisted, and we've given you guys a little bit of a hint as to what that is out here in the foyer toward E-Town. You saw these little uh, rectangular things, so if you go look at those after the service, then it will be abundantly clear what has been twisted. Uh, So if you saw those, you kind of know what's going on here, but if not... They're mirrors. So if you go look at those mirrors, you'll get a big hint as to what has been twisted. So this series is focusing on the fact that the image of God in each one of us has been twisted. So we are made in the image of God. Like that is something that has been true since the beginning. God said, let us make man in our own image, in the image of God, in our likeness. So male and female, God created them. We are made in the image of God. And so this is still true now. Like we are still image bearers of our creator. And when God created us, what were the words that he used after he looked at all creation? He looked at us and he said, this is very good. It's good. It's good. It's very good. We are image bearers of our creators, but something, something has happened to us, okay? And it's, it's actually similar to what uh, has happened to this cup, okay? This is a really nice cup that we got from a, a really cool pottery shop in Portland, Maine. So it's a homemade to-go mug, and it looks really nice. It's, it's awesome, but it's actually uh, kind of become worthless to us because uh, not too long ago, it was dropped, and uh, you can't really tell. It still actually looks very good on the outside. But right here, you can't even, even if you came up and maybe saw this cup, you would probably still use it because you don't see this crack that runs from the top of the cup all the way to the bottom. And so you might not even notice it until you test the inside of it and the cup starts leaking everywhere on the stage or at your house, wherever you would use it. It's once you test the inside of this cup that you see it's broken or worthless even. Like it's not able to do what it was created to do. And so it's similar. A similar thing has happened to us. Okay, we might look look good still on the outside. We might look okay like we have it all together. But as soon as you start talking to somebody a little bit, as soon as you start getting to know somebody, you know that they are messed up. You understand? <laughs> like you start to, you pour something into it and like we're all just a little bit twisted Like we cannot do what we were created to do apart from Christ. We cannot be who we were created to be. Psalm 14 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt, broken like this cup. Paul actually uses a harsh word. He says worthless when he quotes this verse in Romans. There is no one who does good, not even one. This is going to be a great series, you guys. (laughs) What happened that there is no one who does good, yet God said creation, it was very good, very good. And now we see there's no one who does good. You see, our image has been marred. The effects of sin and ourselves and the work of the enemy, they've all led to this distortion of our image because of sin. The image of God in us has been twisted for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What Elijah just said, he said, maybe all of us are the worst sinner. Yeah, we are. We've all sinned 
All of us fall short. It doesn't matter if you're better than somebody else. Or you still fall short. I fall short of the glory of God. And so we fall short in our reflection of God's image. So it's kind of like, have you ever been to a, a fun house and you see all the, uh, all the fancy mirrors? So we've kind of got something over there. It looks like it's just for kids because it's kind of like way down here. But we've got a fun house mirror out there and you look in there and the image reflecting back at you is, is not the original. It's been twisted. It's been bent out of shape. We are not what we were intended to be. Our image has been twisted, it's been bent out of shape, and it really doesn't have anything to do with physical looks, right? Because this cup, it still looks great, but it doesn't work. And that twisting, it runs deep and deep into our hearts, and it affects what we believe. It affects what we do, who we are, how we react, how we treat others. But here's some good news. I'll give you some good news right here is that since the beginning, since our image was twisted, God has been working to bring us back, to restore us to the original image, the original reflection of Him since the beginning. He's been working toward this, and in Christ, it, that's the culmination of it. And so in Christ, we are restored to our original image of Him, and we can be who we we're supposed to be. And so as we begin this series, the following three weeks, like after today, we're going to be looking at how God is specifically restoring and redeeming us back into that image, that image of God that's in us, that's just been twisted. We're going to look at how He restores and redeems. But today, since it's our starting point, so this is, that's where we want to get to, like what God does, what He brings us to. But today is our starting point. So we're going to look at what He like restores and redeems us from our twistedness, our brokenness, our corruption. But even before like, we can look here, the point to which we've fallen, before we can look there, we're going to look at the place from which we fell, our original created purpose. And so we're going to start, start at the beginning because if we understand how and why we, we were created, then we can better understand the devastation and the twistedness of our sin, which why would we want to understand sin? There's really no good reason to understand sin except for, except for, it helps us understand and fall in love with the gospel when we see how great and how gracious this gospel is because of how devastating sin is. But we're going to go start at the beginning, starting at the beginning of our Bible. So even if you have your Bibles or if you have Bible on your phone, which is a phony Bible, um, you can pull that out as well. And we're going to Genesis 1. Starting in Genesis 1, we're going to start in verse 26, when God made man. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, very good. So here's the first thing, every human, Every single one of us, and not just here in this room, every human on the face of this earth is made in the image of God. So the Hebrew word right there in that text where it says, let us make man, that word is Adam. 
Adam, which is also the name of the man that is in that passage, Adam, Ad, Adam, Adam. It's Adam. That's why we call him Adam. But that word Adam, it, it represents all of mankind. You could easily translate that verse, and a lot of translations do. They just prefer it this way. Let us make mankind. Let us make humanity. Let us make humankind in our image. Every human is made in the image of God. And even though it's twisted, it's still there. That image of God, we are image bearers, but what does that even mean to have the image of God in us? Like what is being conveyed by the word image? Like if somebody told you, you're made in the image of God, you're like, oh yes. What, what is that? What does that mean? So this Jewish understanding of the word image, the word they use for image or likeness, as is also in the text, their understanding of it is if somebody bears an image or they bear a, a likeness, it's somebody that, that bears similarities to the thing they represent. If they have an image, they're representing something and they bear similarities. Bearing similarities, that just means if you bear similarities to something, it means that you are not an exact duplicate. You fallen? Like if you're similar to something, that doesn't mean you're the same as something. We are not exact duplicates of God. You follow me? Like when God created this, he made us in his image. He didn't make us many gods. He made us in his likeness. He did not make us clones of himself. We are made in the image and likeness of God, not duplicates, but we stand for and we represent his character and his person. It's in our nature. We bear similarities to the one we represent, our creator. But... If we bear similarities, there are certain things that we can share with God. There are certain attributes that we can share with God. That means there are also some things that we are not similar to God in, some things that we do not share. So for instance, God, God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present everywhere. He is completely sovereign. And as much as you think uh, that might describe your wife or your mother-in-law, that is not true. It does not describe them. It describes no human being ever that you have all power, that you have all knowledge, that you can be ever-present in any situation anywhere on earth, that you are sovereign over everything. Those are things that, that only God exercises. But because we have similarities, because we're made in His image and His likeness, there are things that we do share. So for instance, God, God is good. God is good, and He has a unique and distinct sense of morality. So just as God is good, we too are created good, are created very good and to do good, and we're still instructed to practice doing good on and on and on. And just as God, God can use his will, he can choose to do something or choose to not to do something. He gave this, this volition. We can, we can exercise our will. We can choose to do something or choose to not do something. We are intelligent reasoning beings because our God is intelligent, a reasoning, a rational God. And as God is holy and is set apart, he set us apart when he created us. He set us apart over and above the rest of creation. And like he exercises dominion, he said, hey, exercise this with me. I'm giving you this creation. Exercise it with me. This is what it means to be made in his image. This is our intended design. But for what purpose? Like for what reason are we made in the image of God for his likeness? Humanity 
Our purpose is to glorify the God whose image we bear. Humanity's purpose is to glorify God whose image we bear. We're the only creatures out of all creation to bear the image of our God, to be made in the likeness of our God. And so as such, we uniquely display the glory. We uniquely display the magnificence and beauty of our God, of our creator, over and above all creation. We display this to create and we display it to one another. Man, our God deserves honor, deserves high renown because he has won notable achievements. What achievements have God won? And this is before Christ. What has he done? And he has created everything. There is nothing that exists apart from him. He is the giver of all good things. He is the giver of life. So he deserves glory, does he not? Like if he created us and placed us here, and he's the one that has done that, then our role is to point back and say, look what he's done. Look at this great thing that he has done. That's our whole role is to give glory to our Father, to point one another to the Lord and say, look at what he's done. Give glory to him. He deserves glory for he has won notable achievements. And so this is, this is uh, just really cool because you see back in the times of the Old Testament, there were these ancient kings and ancient kings, they were known to commonly place images of themselves in the lands that they had owned. So just occasionally, maybe it would be a statue or some image or, or some document, but in the lands they owned, there would just be this huge monument and it would be an image of the king. And what that let everyone know is that this land belonged to the king. He has rule. He has dominion here. Our God, the king of kings, the king of these ancient kings, he's done the same thing. He has placed his image on the land that he created, that he owns, that he has dominion over. He has placed us as his image bearers onto the earth for the purpose of saying, this belongs to the Lord. This is my place. I own this. And he didn't just, doesn't just own it. God made this. God created this. And he placed this in it to point back to him and say, look at this great thing God has done. He owns this place. He is good. He is very good. Creation is all very good. We were created to point to the Lord, to glorify our God, the giver of all life, the, the creator of all that we see and say, he has done this, and he is very good. And so one thing I want to highlight is just this verse. It says, and the man and his wife, they were both naked and were not ashamed. And I highlight this because I just wanted to pinpoint um, just one phrase in here that starts with an N. It says, they were, mm, oh man, I was going to try and get you to say naked, but anyways, you didn't say it. But I wasn't going to say, I was going to say not ashamed. They were not Ashamed. Yeah, they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Guys, listen, shame is not part of God's creation. Shame is not part of God's intentional design as human beings. We were created to exist in a perfect relationship with our God, with one another. We were made to exist without sin and its effects, guilt, shame, fear, separation, death. Shame is not from God. Very good is from God. But things went awry, didn't they? You know the story. 
When you keep reading Genesis, you read 2, which where it talks about they were not ashamed, and then you get to 3, and that's where things start to crumble. Not because of what God has done. Because of the people that bear similarities to him. They're not clones of God. But they bear his image. They can exercise certain things that God exercises. So let's look at Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. And then she also gave some to her husband who was with her, like you always think of Adam being absent at this point. No, he was with her, like doing what? I don't know. Like, hey, yeah, you got this, babe. Good answer, good answer. Like, he's with her. And then he's like, it was the woman you gave me. Like, he's with her this whole time. She gave some to him who was with her, and he also ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Sorry, that word again. Which I, I've always thought as devastating as a story this is. That's a funny moment, right? To not know that you're naked and then all of a sudden come to that realization of it. Oh, oh my goodness. Huh. So then they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The fall of man. So let's look at this temptation. Okay, because the serpent tempts Eve very specifically. He first tempts her to question God's word and then he goes on to get her to question his goodness, which is always embedded in God's word. God's word and God's goodness cannot be separated. God's word is good. But he first tempts her to question his word. Did God really say? Man, that is the question of all time, isn't it? And I don't know if you, if you experience that, if you're ever, temp, if, if you're ever tempted, you know, uh, does God really say? Is this really in his word? Does, this re, does he really require uh, this of you? Did God really say this? He tests her knowledge of what he's spoken. Did he actually say that? But here's the thing. Eve passed the first test. She said, yeah, he said exactly that. She knew exactly what God had said to her and her husband. And her husband's like, yeah, hey, you got this. Good answer. Good answer. That's good. But then he moves on to this other test. And he gets her to question God's goodness. She knew his word. She knew his word. And then he, he tempts her and he says, yeah, but this command is not really good for you. It's actually, it's holding you back and, and God knows it. There's no purpose to this command. There's, there's no good that comes from it. You will be like God if you eat this fruit. He's holding you back. Yeah, you know what he said. But he's not being good with this command. And he tempts her to question the goodness in God's word. Hey, he's holding you back. You're going to be like God if you just, if you disobey. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You're going to be more like him. 
if you eat the fruit of this tree. And so it's this temptation that gets Eve thinking. And it gets her thinking, but it also gets her forgetting. This is the great deception. Okay, listen to this. This temptation, it gets Eve to begin to forget that she is already like God. Satan says, hey, eat this and you'll be like God. Wait, what's her created nature and purpose? She's already like God. God created her in his image according to his likeness. And Satan has somehow deceived her. And he says, no, you're less than. You're less than. A being in the image and likeness of God, it just started to be not enough for her. No, she wanted to be God. She didn't want to be like God. She wanted to know the things that God knows. She didn't want to just know God. But God created us to glorify him, not to be him. God did not make us many clones, many gods, duplicates of himself. He created us as human beings, as his image bearers. We're not duplicates. We're created to glorify God not to be God. So the serpent tempted Eve. And Eve, she starts thinking, she starts forgetting who she actually is, that she's already like God, made in his image, made in his likeness. So then the serpent, the serpent appeals to three things. And he appeals to these things by exploiting this fruit. She's been commanded not to eat, but he's exploiting this fruit, all the things that it can do for her. And it appeals to three things, craving, Craving, which could be desire or lust. Craving, greed, and pride. So we're going to look at each, each of these things. Craving. The first one is craving. The fruit, the passage says, the fruit was good for food. Good for food. That's not a bad thing. She saw that the fruit was good for food. And this is just a carnal desire, which that sounds, it's really not a bad thing. It's just a desire of the flesh to have food, to have things that are good for food. It's a craving of the flesh, and we were made with flesh. She sees this fruit, it's good for food, it would please her physical body, but here's the thing, the command was, do not eat this. Do not eat this. And so the craving, it starts working over and against the commands. It works against what God has said. And she starts craving it. There's this desire for it. There is a lust after this fruit because it's going to please her physical body. And then we look at the working of greed in this passage. Greed, the fruit was pleasing to the eye, the scripture says. It was pleasing. She saw that it was beautiful. It was flashy. It caught her attention. It was quite literally the apple of her eye. Small little. This is our instinct to want things that are beautiful, flashy, new. It's covetousness. And it's wanting what is not yours, what is not meant to be yours. It's going after it over and above against the command of God. It's greed in the heart. She wanted the fruit. She was greedy for it. We see craving. We see greed. And we see pride. We see pride. The fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she'd been told by the serpent, by the deceiver. It was desirable for gaining. It spoke to her pride, to this newfound selfish ambition. She believed that the fruit would make her better. 
that would make her more of who she wanted to be. It would make her better than she already was because she's forgotten that she's already like God. She's made in the likeness of God. She's made in the image of God. She thinks this will do that and more. It speaks to her pride. She's been deceived into wanting to be something more, and she's going after it. 1 John 2, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything, everything in the world, that's a big word to say, everything in the world, but then he just lists three things, okay? Three things. Everything in the world, and then he lists three. The lust of the flesh, craving, wanting whatever would please the physical body. Craving the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, greed. It's seeing and wanting what is not yours and is not meant to be yours. And the pride of life, other translations, instead of saying pride of life, they say boasting of what one has and does. Boasting. You see lust, you see greed, you see pride, and this is everything in the world. These things come not from the Father. What comes from the Father? Very good. Very good comes from the Father. And yet we see these things at work in Adam and in Eve. They've fallen. They've been corrupted. They've been twisted In our fallen, sinful, twisted state, we act and we live out of a love for created things rather than out of a love for our Creator. We live out of a love for creative. We love things that taste good and feel good, so then we make a race out of them, seeing how much we can get and get fast. They please the physical body. Let's see how much we can get of this. We love things that look good, so we make a competition out of them, seeing who can get on and hold on to the most of these things that look good, that catch our attention. Let's get as much as we can of this. And in our fallen state, we love ourselves. So we make ourselves gods. We start looking out for number one. We start glorifying ourselves. We always start trying to get the best deal for ourselves in every relationship, in every situation. We see that craving, that lust, greed, and pride into working right here and all throughout the rest of Scripture. And guess what? We're trying to get all these things in our falling state. We're trying to build ourselves up. We're trying to satisfy the flesh. We're trying to get as much as what we want. We're trying to hold on to the most of it. And you know what comes with all that? We might get a lot of things, but we also get shame. Shame, which was not in God's design. Shame comes with sin. And glorifying yourself, the perfect image of God, which Adam and Eve were created to enjoy and display, was now twisted. It was corrupted and distorted by their own will. Their own will. That was a shared attribute. Something they, they had in similar, they had in common with their God that they could use their will, and yet they used it sin against Him. As a result, shame. They were afraid, they were ashamed, and so they hid from God who created them, who put his image on them. They were ashamed. They'd use that God-given, that God-shared attribute, their freedom of will, the exercise of their will, and they used it to sin against the one who had created them, the one who had placed his image on them. They twisted. And so here's more bad news. 
Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, so death spread to all men, to all mankind, to all humankind, to me and you, through that one man. Because now all of us have sinned. Guys, yeah, we, we were twisted. We were twisted because of Adam and Eve, but we've also, we've taken part in that twisting, twisting the image of God and it's to the point that it's almost become unrecognizable. We're intended to glorify God in our created design, but we have corrupted in our sinful nature. We are twisted. We're bound under the curse of sin and death. What needs to happen is we need to become unwound and unbound. We need to unwind that image. We need to be unbound by the sin that has chained us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of our sin is death. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? It's just because it's the intro message. That's why Gary's not here or Stephanie's not here. They didn't want to preach this one. So we keep moving forward and twisted in this series. We hope to, over the next three weeks, expose and expound on the corrupting influence of sin in our lives to expose the sin and expound on the influence that it's having on us. We're going to look closely at those three categories of sin, which God calls everything in the world. Pride, greed, and lust. We're going to expose them and show how God is restoring us and redeeming us from that sin. And why we think this is necessary to look at sin, because as we better understand sin, we can better understand the gospel. As we better understand the twistedness, man, we more understand and we fall in love with the gospel of grace. But you know what's also true? If you had the choice to, to try and understand sin or the gospel, understand the gospel. The more you understand the gospel, the more you will understand the gospel. But we have our scriptures, which has sin and the gospel, the sin of man and the gospel in it. So we're going to understand both. We're going to look at both. So as we better understand this sin, this twistedness, we can better understand the gospel because the gospel teaches us that by our own sinful nature, we've twisted the image of God in ourselves to the point that we become unrecognizable. We've twisted that image in sin. We've lost our intended design of being God's image bearers. We failed to glorify him by displaying his goodness and accomplishing his will throughout all creation. But, all right, here we go. Here is the good news in a word. It's Jesus. Jesus came, man, right from the beginning. He was testified, he was prophesied about in Genesis 3. He's going to come and he is going to crush the serpent. And he has come. He is the good news, Jesus. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, just as through the disobedience of Adam, the many were made sinners, we were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, through the obedience of Jesus, the many will be made righteous. We will be restored as image bearers, as clear, pristine image bearers of our Creator who display God's magnificence and great beauty to all the world, to one another. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. He is a new creation. Guys, apart from Christ, we are broken pottery. Maybe some worse off than this one. This one doesn't look bad at all. Some of us might be worse off, okay? We are broken pieces of pottery. We are just like clay that is laying unmolded, unformed, shattered. But in Christ, we are a new creation. Mike, will you put those pictures up? There's a Japanese art. Man, have taken broken pottery of broken bowls and broken vases, and you put them back together with this lacquer that's made from gold dust. And the reason that they do this is because the potters feel that it's even more beautiful when you see that it's been broken and then restored. You see these gold lines in the pottery. And here's the thing, like this pottery, it resembles uh, what it once was. What? They're all bowls. They were all bowls before this. They're all vases before this. It still resembles closely what it once was, but it's something totally new. Why? Because it has a story of brokenness and restoration in it. You see it in the lines. You see it in the cracks and the broken places. There was brokenness and it's been restored. It's a new creation. It's restored to its original design, but it's something totally new. It's something beautiful. Guys, we are the same way. We have been broken and bent and twisted out of shape, but in Christ, we have been restored to our original intended purpose. And that's to clearly bear the image of our Creator. And we do it in a new way, like the gold that, that shows all the brokenness, but also the healing, the restoration. Man, our lives, our life stories, our testimonies that we share, we now display the redemption of our Savior over every broken piece of our lives. And so the image is restored. We're what we were intended to be, but in a new way. We are a new creation. We can be what we are intended to be. We can do what we are intended to do in a completely new way. So as we start walking through this series called Twisted, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's so funny that Gary and Stephanie are not here today. They didn't want this one there. <laughs> it's heavy, but the message is coming for our just restoration. This is what God is doing with our pride. This is how he restores us from, pride, from self-glorification. As we walk through this series, and pray that God would reveal to you how his image has been twisted, how it's been contorted and distorted in your life by pride, greed, or lust, maybe all three. Pray that he would reveal that to you and that he would start working in you by his spirit, sanctifying you through his words, so that he would make his image clearer and clearer on display for all to see so that people would see you. And just by the direction of your life, they would be pointed to the glory of the Father, of their Creator, and know that their image bears as well. Believe that God can and will release what sin is enslaved, and He will restore what sin is twisted. That we would be a people who are unwound and unbound. Let's pray. Lord, we've been twisted. Your image in us 
has been twisted, has been broken, has been shattered. And there's remnants of it there, but Lord, for some of us, we're just unrecognizable. For a lot of us, we have been unrecognizable as your image bearers. But Lord, in Christ, we are a new creation. You have made us something totally new and yet to be what we were always meant to be. A clear, pristine image bearer to point people to you, that you have done this great thing, that you have given life. Lord, reveal to us what needs to be untwisted in our lives. Whatever that is, God, we trust you. We trust your word. Work in us as we start this series. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, thanks for hanging with me. We'll see you next Sunday.